Amen. We, we got to stay busy in Jesus' name. All right? But today we've got to hear the word of the Lord. And I've asked co-pastor to come once again to minister to us. And he did an awesome job in our Spanish service. And he's going to be used of God also again in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Lord, everybody. Thank you, Pastor, for this privilege, this blessing. Praise God. God is good. And uh, I just appreciate our church that God has um, blessed us all with. Amen. The ministry of our Pastor Prado, his family, everything that they that God has done in this place. You know, the praise team is awesome because I also remember we went to that same place, marriage retreat. Um, you know, people sing out there. But then there are people that minister, and God uses them. I tell you, the, the Spirit of God, the presence of God had filled that place. And they're just, they're um, awesome vessels, as well as the musicians for the honor and for the glory of the Lord. Today, I'd like to take you to a scripture that is very well known. Um, many of us may think already know what this is going to be about. But like I said to the first congregation, there are times when... For those of you that are just starting out your walk in Christ, you'll discover this. What we have discovered, those who have a little bit of time in Christ, is that you can read a scripture all at different times. And each and every time, God will give you something new and fresh. A rima word, an active word, a precise word for your life. So today I'm going to ask you to join me in Luke chapter 15, verse 11 and verse 12. For the honor and the glory of the Lord. Praise God. Luke 15, 11, very known, very well-known scripture says, And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that had falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Not many days after the younger son gathered all together, and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Amen. In other words, he spent it all. We're going to entitle our message today, Lost and Found. Amen. Just like when you lose something, you go to the lost and found. And just consider how we at one time in our lives were lost and found. Lord, We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence in this place. I thank you, Lord, for my pastor, the church, for each and every one of us that is here today. I believe, God, that you have a word for us, a rima word, a living word, a fresh word, something that we need in our hearts and in our lives today. And I just surrender myself completely into your hands, God. I trust in you, Lord. By faith we pray and ask, Lord, that you will today touch somebody's life in a very awesome way. As a matter of fact, touch all of our lives, God through the scripture. Lord, for your word is quick and powerful, living and powerful. And I pray, Lord, that it carry out an effect in our lives, that we walk out of this place not the same way we came in. In the name of Jesus Christ, in all honor and all glory is for you, Lord. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Some weeks ago, um, we had taken on a Bible text of a question. And in this Bible text, we see a question God now presents unto a man. Genesis chapter 4, verse 9. The question that God has is for Cain. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, this is the way, the way Cain answers, I know not, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? We see that God is asking him a question, not because God does not know, but as an opportunity for Cain to reflect upon actions he had taken earlier, where God, when God had witnessed how Cain rose up against his brother Abel and murdered his own brother. The Bible says that God tells Cain that the blood of Cain was crying out to him that had been poured onto the earth. 
Now, when we read the scripture of where we started off in Luke 15, uh, we can see that there is a, a scenario that we will see about how Jesus is speaking to some people. We have to think about then and about now. We think that, time, that at times something new has come about. But without any doubt, the Bible says that there is nothing new under the heavens. The Bible says, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9. Something very interesting, Ecclesiastes 1, 9. says, the thing that has been, all those things that have been, it is that which shall be, shall re be repeated. And that which is done is that which shall be done. It's a cycle that repeats itself and there is no new thing under the sun. In fact, we know that there was a time where mankind's evilness or the evil in mankind had reached the point where God said, I've got to do something and God took action. We know the story of when God flooded the earth in order to preserve humanity, he needed to destroy the majority. And except for Noah, his wife, his three sons and three daughter-in-laws, All the rest of humanity was smited, was removed, was erased from the face of the earth. You see, even though we believe that mankind can do a lot of evil and that man can become very perverted or very disoriented, it's nothing new. And I want to take you to a time now when Jesus, he is in a place where he is surrounded by sinners. Luke 15, we're actually going to start with verse 1. And you'll see here that the Bible says, then drew near unto him, and I'm going to read from the screen, all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Verse 2 says, and the Pharisees and scribes murmured, they complained, saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Now, this was an observation, and we're going to see the characters here. First of all, you're going to have a Pharisee. A Pharisee is an expert in the law. He is a conservative person, a religious, even in the attire. He believes that there are angels and that there is a resurrection after death. Nicodemus was actually also a Pharisee, and so was St. Paul, a Pharisee of Pharisees. The Bible also tells us that there is a scribe present The scribe is also a type of doctor or a professional and expert in law and in interpreting the law. Their job was normally like Egyptian scribes. Their job was to handwrite, repeat, copy over and over text so that they would not lose their original meaning. You also see now that there are publicans. And a publican is, in other words, a tax collector like someone that works today for the IRS, somebody that is not very popular. If you can imagine back then, the Roman people were oppressing the Jewish people. The Romans were the power, the superpower of their time. And there was nothing worse than to be connected because of your profession to the Romans. And that's what a publican was. A publican was a man that would collect the taxes, collect any fees that were imposed by the Romans. Like Zacchaeus was a publican. He was a tax collector, a man of short stature, a man that was perhaps rejected by many because he used to work for the Romans. A man that had confessed when he had converted to Christ, confessed that if he had stolen, which means he knew he had stolen. See, these were men that were probably tempted into punishing others, charging them more taxes than were actually owed. They were unrighteous men if they had just made up charges uh, out of spite or whatever their reason was. Then you have the sinner, and a sinner is anyone that commits any kind of an unjust act. It is, in other words, you and I are sinners. You and I are imperfect. You and I, at one time or another, had committed a sin against God and against others. So a sinner is also present in this portrait or in this uh, scene that we are going to see. The Bible says in verse 3, and he spoke this parable unto them. And we will define a parable. 
A parable is a type of narrative where the name of people are not given. Specific geographic areas are not really mentioned by name. But it's a narrative that's not necessarily of something that is uh, an account or a documentary of something that actually happened. But it is a narrative that is given to us in human terms with a, a type of connection for us as earthly beings of something that is a truth about the kingdom of God. Whenever you read the Bible and you'll see that Jesus shares a parable, he does it with the intent of teaching us something that is about the kingdom of God in terms and words that we can understand here on earth. Amen. So when he speaks, consider who was present and what the situation was. People are murmuring. And murmuring is when people complain in an inaudible voice, something that cannot be distinguished. When you turn around and somebody murmurs, you hear that they say something, but they want to hide it from you. So people were murmuring. They were criticizing Jesus. And they were, they were qualifying themselves as being righteous. And they were qualifying the others as being sinners, publicans and sinners. So Jesus takes this opportunity to share a parable with them. And actually, he'll, he will share three parables. And the interesting thing is, look at what the parables are and connect to the best of your ability. The same things being repeated over and over again. And Jesus will take a tactic of presenting one parable and presenting a second parable that is the same as the first, but in a different fashion. And then going into a deeper detail at the third parable. So the first parable, he says, of a man that has a hundred sheep. We know this, of that one lost sheep. He lost one of them. Through the desert, he leaves the other 99 in the wilderness, the Bible says, and he goes after that which is lost until he finds it. So you see a scenario of a man that is a shepherd. He's taking care of 100 sheep, and he knows all of them. Maybe some of them were, you know, had had uh, different kinds of colors, some black sheep, some white sheep, some sheep that had spots on them, different kinds and of different ages. And when he starts counting them, because he has an account of all of them, means he knows them. And he starts counting and he says, I am now sad, and we can kind of interpret this, because he is missing one sheep. Out of all of them, one is missing. He loves all the rest of the sheep. He cares about the rest of the sheep. But he makes a decision. I've got one that's missing. And that's not enough to have all 99 here or only 99. I've got to have all of them. I value all of them. I appreciate all of them. And I want all of them here with me. So he makes a decision and leaves the 99. We know the parable. And he goes out and he looks and he goes out and he walks and he travels and he is looking behind every rock, under every rock, looking for a sheep that has gone missing. The Bible says that he finally finds this sheep and I kind of laugh a little bit. I've seen this before, a little bit of a cartoon drawing where you see a shepherd out there in the background looking for a sheep. And you see this huge rock and behind that rock you see a sheep that is sitting down and its arms are crossed and its face is frowning. A sheep that is angry at the shepherd. So that sheep decided to go out. I don't want nothing to do with the rest of the sheep. They don't like me or I don't like the way they are. And I want to be on my own and I want to try my own thing. And so sometimes a sheep doesn't want to be found. They make a decision to go out there. But the shepherd is concerned because you have all different kinds of predatory animals that want to go and kill and devour a sheep. So we can clearly see that when he goes and he finds this sheep, after having left the 99 kind of made, made mention of this, hopefully if they were all, you know, believers, all those 99 must have been praying arduously. God, use that shepherd. Help him find that missing sheep. It's 99 of us. We ain't right if we are missing one. If we got a brother or a sister that's out MIA missing an action, we are concerned. We want them to be safe. We got to go look for them. We got we to gotta pray for them. And this shepherd, you know, you just can't imagine all these sheep praying. But this shepherd right now, when he finds this missing sheep, takes it and he carries it. We know a song in Spanish that talks about how he anoints the wounds and he takes this sheep and he goes back 
to the corral or he goes back to where all the rest of the sheep are gathered. See, now when something like this happens, the Bible says that, that the Lord says this parable. He says, I say unto you in verse number seven, that likewise, just like this, in a similar fashion or something comparable to, it'll be something like this, joy, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. Sometimes there is an attitude. I don't need God. I don't need the church. I'm all right. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I'm not a womanizer. I'm not a gambler. I'm not a murderer. I'm not a liar. I don't need religion. I'm fine just the way I am. And then you have others that maybe are very well-dressed, that have a very good educational background, that come from a legacy of very successful people. But this man that, or this woman that has a clean record, there's nothing there that people can say this person has in, you know, broken the law, that they turn around and say, I don't have everything. I need something. I am missing something. And they come to an understanding and they realize, even though I may not have been a murderer or even though I may not have done this, I have become upset at my brother. Therefore, I am the same as a murderer. Even though I have not gone to a bed of immorality, if at one time I have desired my neighbor's wife, I am just as guilty as the adulterer. A man or a woman that can understand that what their good deeds have done is just not enough to inherit the kingdom of God. They come to a time and a place in their life where they come to a realization that they are not saved and that they are a sinner and that they need a savior for their lives. And when one man turns around and says, I need to be saved, then there is great joy in heaven when Christ himself sees the repented sinner and the angels are witnesses to a man or a woman that says I've had enough of this world I want to be a child of God I want to follow Christ I want to surrender everything unto Jesus than those 99 that will stand there as the Bible warns us in the book written or, or by Solomon in Proverbs the Proverbs where it says that there is nothing worse than, than a man who says in his own opinion that he is wise a person that acts foolish, a person that makes mistakes over and over again. I know it sounds really gross and disgusting, but a foolish person that commits the same mistake over and over again is like a dog that returns to eat its own vomit. The vomit that has been launched out has been because it has provoked an illness, a problem in the intestines of that animal. But a sinner and a foolish man that rejects salvation and keeps going back is like that animal animal that dog that that can't just resist itself and it keeps going back to its own rejection I'm really sorry it sounds gross believe me it was gross when I thought about it and I had remembered how my dad had said that proverb before I said man that's really gross when you read it in the bible it's telling us this is what it is when somebody says I don't need God let me do my own thing they keep going back and forth back and forth and they say no pastor don't get involved don't go tell pastor nothing it's nobody else's business I've got everything under control they've got their marriage in shambles for 10 years and they say that they can fix things and they can't but God God doesn't want people that think that they're all that. He is not looking for somebody that says, I'm a righteous, I'm a good person. He's looking for somebody that's been convicted by the Holy Ghost, that they are a sinner and that they need to be saved. It's those that will call out to Christ and say, I need you, Jesus, that are ready now to be saved. I was sharing with others today earlier that I, have a, I had a co-worker and he called a rehab center and he said, I've got a problem. My son is into drugs. My son cannot stop using drugs. And he kept telling them, I want my son to be uh, free of drugs. I want him to be recovered. The person on the other side, a woman said to him, sir, if that is the case, then let me ask you, why is it that your son is not the one that is calling? 
There is nothing that you can do by making a phone call for somebody else. We need that person to take the phone and make a call and acknowledge that they have a drug problem, to acknowledge that they need the help and that they want to change their lives. So as long as your son doesn't make a phone call, sir, there is nothing we can do for you or for him. You can't force somebody to want or to go and have a change in their lives if their mindset is stuck on continuing the way they are. So that's why there's so much joy when a person repents, a sinner repents. Now, let's approach it this way when Jesus gives the story or now this parable of a woman that has pieces of silver, 10 pieces of silver. That's what the Bible calls uh, these 10 pieces of silver. She has them and she loses one of them. And in the English language, it's a little bit easier to understand this. And I'll explain to you what, what I of it a little bit different and when she loses this pieces of silver doesn't she immediately go and, and and fire up her candle or her lantern so that she can have light because in those homes there was no electricity like there is today we just flip a switch we take it for granted i flipped the switch the lights didn't come on in that kind of strange as if we are entitled for the lights to come on <laughs> We assume, hey, you know, I pay my bill and this and that. And how dare you guys have brownouts and blackouts? Well, there's nothing we can do about something exploding, you know. But we assume that we feel we're entitled to have this light. Well, she didn't have that kind of a, uh, there was no infrastructure of that type in her time. So she lights her lantern and she starts to do a sweep. And I always thought, because in Spanish it says barrer, which means to sweep, that she took a broom and would start sweeping. That's not necessarily what it means. And I give this kind of a story. And, you know, we're always careful what we share, right? We, we, but, but there's got to be a game plan. Wherever you work at, there's usually a game plan. If there's a fire drill, go out this way, go out this way, go out this way, and you are here. You understand what I'm saying? There's always plans like that in case of an urgent matter, you know, when we lose our children. Sorry, my daughter's here. But when we lose our children at Target, we say, we lost our child, and they immediately close the doors, and somebody stands at the door because we taught our children how to play hide-and-go-seek, and they learned it very well. And then they were hiding under that clothing, you know, the rack, and we couldn't find them. And the more we call out, the more they'll hide because <laughs> they're children, and they learn how to hide. So they hide. They disappear in a second. Amen. Some of you have been through that, amen? And if not, get ready, amen? Because we pray that that will never happen to you, but in case it does, you have to have a game plan. So we were at work and we were looking for somebody. Where's this person that we were radioing back and forth? Couldn't find that person. And you start to imagine the worst, just like a parent when one of your children gets lost. We work in a facility and we're like, where's this person at? And you start to imagine, did they have a heart attack? Did they end up somewhere in a room? Check the restrooms. Get over here. Get over there. Check that room. Check this area. And we're going back and forth. We're looking for somebody. And we're going through all kinds of emotions. We're going through a little bit of being upset. How come this person's not answering? And then fear. What if something happened? Insecurity. And then all of a sudden, we remember. By golly, we sent that person to training. <laughs> person comes out. I'm sorry. I only did what I was told. We lost him because he was obedient. <laughs> we didn't look for that person where we told him to go because we forgot. But it's interesting how we did a sweep. So you got to have a game plan. A lot of companies will have that where certain teams will get together and communicate back and forth. You have a command, a command center or a uh, a command post, that person doesn't move. You're just communicating back and forth. Sweep this area, sweep this area. And what that means is go through and search it very well. Make sure nobody's in here, nobody's over there, nobody's on the backside of the building where anybody could have gone. And so she sweeps the house. She's looking everywhere, taking her light. I got to find that, ten, that tenth piece. I got nine, but I'm missing one. And I got to find it. I got to look under the bed. I got to look under the dresser. I got to look in my, my case. I got to look under the crib. I got to look under the, 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 the little girl's bed. I got to look here. I got to look there. Man, she's got a little toy. It's got the little fishies that pop up and you got to fish them out. And it bothers me when I see one of them is missing. I'm like, I got to go look for that fish. 
I don't know where that little fish is at. You understand what I'm saying? You kind of want to get everything back together. She's over there looking, and then she finally finds that missing piece of silver. She rejoices so much. Oh, I found it. She goes down. She tells all of her friends, come on over. We're going to celebrate because I was missing that 10th piece of silver. And I finally found it. Rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. Jesus Christ repeats the same words. And when she had found it, she called her friends and her neighbors together saying, this is verse 9, rejoice with me for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repentant that's all it takes is one to start a rejoicing in heaven now he's gonna go wider with this he's gonna go into more details and give something a little bit more easier to connect so a man had two children older and a younger son and the younger son says to his father father i know the inheritance i'm gonna paraphrase a little bit the inheritance is giving once the father passes away you haven't died but Why don't you just give me, give me what belongs to me. It's mine anyways. Just give it to me. The father doesn't, doesn't fight him off, but he gives him the part of the inheritance that was going to be his. The Bible says that this younger brother goes out to a province, an area, a land far away. And he engages with prostitutes and he engages with drinking and all these other evil, unrighteous things that he was taught surely not to do. Amen? He was, he knew better, but he wanted to live his own life. So he left the house. He left his father's place of security and provision to go out to another land. These were people of a culture. The Jewish people had their types of food to eat and how they were prepare their food. Now the Bible says when he's out there and he's splurged, he's wasted everything. First of all, when we say the parable of the prodigal son, we tend to have on our minds, oh, that's the son that left and came back. That's not what prodigal means. Prodigal means though the one uh, a person that is prodigal is a person that wastes away, that has what they have and they just lose it all. They splurge. They just give it all away or they lose it all. They, they just waste it. And so he comes to... You see, the devil always starts off tempting you, but never tells you what's really going to happen. And this young man ends up broke. I don't know what he did with his ring. Let's kind of make it relevant. I heard in Las Vegas, there's a lot of CDs and wedding rings at the pawn shops. I said, well, why is that? He's all, because they go gambling. They lose everything to the point that they just pawn it just to try and get money to go back home. So they lose everything. And this young man lost it all. And he got hungry. You ever been hungry? Every day at around so-and-so time in the morning, your body says, yo, it's time to eat. <laughs> in and out. Later on in the afternoon. Whatever you're used to, your body becomes accustomed to it. And if you don't eat, it starts to give you hunger pangs or pain. And your stomach actually begins to like almost have like a, I don't know how you would call this, like muscle spasms type of areals we want to eat. And the more you ignore it, the worse it gets. Until you go hungry to the point where your stomach says, okay, we're not going to eat. He's at a point where he's hungry. And he's, he needs, you ever seen somebody out there? Let me wash your window, man. Just give me a quarter. Give me a dollar. Let me do this. Let me do that. I, I just want to make sure he's out there begging. But he said, I got to work. I'm going to give you a job. But you're a Jewish man. You don't, you guys don't hang around pigs. And you don't eat chicharrones, carnitas, tripas, and tacos and all that. All the rest are like, hey, we're eating some carnitas. But the Jewish man had to stay back, at least most of them. Huh? Some of them would probably sneak around and eat a little bit of pork. Pozole, something that they really like. And, oh, man, we don't need that. Was, but you're going to have to take care of the pigs, the swine, these unclean animals. Your culture, you can't associate with them, can't touch them. 
Because if you do now, you're unclean like the swine. This animal that goes out and eats whatever it wants. Not picky about what it eats. Eats the worst of the worst. If it has to, it will. And what you're going to do is you're going to feed them. And this young man now, he's got the job that's the worst for a Jewish man. Type of job that makes him feel dirty and it stinks. It smells. There's flies everywhere. And he's there. And then worse, he begins to get so hungry. Man, that looks good. I don't know if I want to feed that pig. I'm fight over the food over that pig. You know, I was just going to take that food away. That's how hungry he got. He hit rock bottom. You ever hit rock bottom in something in your life? Spiritually? Maybe before in drugs or alcohol or something hit rock bottom. And this young man, he, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he comes to. Where am I? What, what am I doing here? What? Look at me. Look at my clothing. Look at everything I've lost. What, 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 what am I doing here? What? This is not who I am. This is not who they raised me to be. And to do this, how low I've, I've come so low. And he begins to repent. Man, I got to do something. I got to go to my father. I go to my Abba. My Abba and, and say, Abba, I, I, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Because there's so many workers in my father's house. They work and they have a whole ton of bread. Man, they eat whatever bread with butter, sourdough, regular dough, any kind of bread they want. They got that kind of dough. And I'm over here wanting to eat this. What am I doing? I'm going to go ask my father for forgiveness. He came too. He came too. Did you know that there is a spiritual type of veil across the eyes of unbelievers? Did you know that the devil will come and place that kind of blindfold on a person to make them not even realize that little by little Satan and sin is drawing them away from the blessings of God's house? And all of a sudden this young man says, I'm going to go back. And he, he makes a decision. He takes initiative. Man, I'm going to go. I'm not going to go blame so-and-so. Man, I left because you guys didn't like me because of this, because of that. And He just takes responsibility. He comes and his father's from watching every day and he sees his son. And the son's like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repent. And the father just runs to him and just launches himself and embraces his son and just says, oh, you can imagine, son, 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 how oh, I love you. I've missed you. He didn't even... He did not. Oh, look at who's here now. Hmm. What's up? I thought you was all that. I thought you had it all figured out. What happened? Oh, now you're coming over here? Now that you he didn't have that kind of attitude. He was not judging him. He was loving him. He was forgiving him. He didn't even give him a chance to say anything. He just embraced him. But his son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your workers. You know what? Forget about all that. Bring the best clothing over here. Bring him the best sandals, the best footwear. I, you know, just kind of play around a little bit. Bring, bring him the best Nikes, the best Jordans, the best whatever you want, the best, uh, I don't know what, what kind of shoes. Maybe you want, bring them Georgia or Armani or whatever those brands are out there. I've only heard of them, never worn them. But, you know, the, the, he brings them the best of the clothing. And we're going to go ahead and kill the biggest calf. And we're going to make a party and we're going to sell it. He calls all his friends. My son came back. My son is alive. He was lost. I thought he was dead. He came back. He's alive. He's here with me. He He lost his identity here's your identity back places a ring in his hand that says and shows who he belongs to the legacy the family he's from our house he's my boy he's my child he's my son he's not gonna eat the scraps he's gonna sit at the table you know what's interesting there was an older brother if you remember him and he's out there and he comes and he says hey what's going on with this party well What is this music that I hear and people sound like they're happy? What's going on? 
come from working hard. So we can have whatever we have here. Well, what's going on? It's because your brother, the one that was lost, he's back and he, we thought he was dead. He's alive. Your father is just throwing a big party. He's throwing a party? For him? For that guy? No, no, no. For his son? No, 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 no. This is, um, you know, kind of bringing it down to our time. That ain't right. He's doing me wrong. No, 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 no. Hey, your son over here, he's really upset. Daddy comes along. Mijo, what's wrong? I mean, what's wrong? Dad, I've always, always served you. And I've never sinned against you. Never done nothing wrong. Wow. He's so righteous. He used the words always and never. You know what that means? He was declaring that he was so righteous that he had never sinned against his father and that he was always serving. I wish I could say I had a perfect record in my walk with Christ, but I don't. I don't. And this young man says, man, I've always, that's the Pharisee, that's the scribe, looking good on the outside, rotten on the inside. And the younger son, he's that publican, that tax collector. He's that sinner that says, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. But he repented. And don't forget this one thing. That Pharisee, that scribe, that sinner, that publican were all descendants of Abraham. They were all of the same people. But they had that attitude of me and you over there. Your son did this and did that. Your son, he forgot to say, but my brother did this. He didn't even say my brother. Cain, where's your brother Abel? I am so glad that at our church, we have been taught because our pastor is here and we got to be obedient to what the man of God teaches us through the word of God so that we can be perfected. The saints can be perfected so that whenever we see any one of our brethren, of our brothers or sisters that has fallen, that is struggling, that we have the positive attitude of wanting a restoration for their lives and rejoicing. When somebody converts, when somebody repents of their sins, does a 180 degree turn and starts now to walk with Christ. There are people that are going to come and sit in these chairs. You and I cannot see them, but they're, they're here. They're real close and they're going to come here and they're going to hear the word of God. And God is going to surprise you and I, not because we don't believe, but because God is always surprising us. No matter what, even though we know we believe that you will do it, God, when God does it, it's like, wow, God did it. Yeah, because that's what God does. He wows us all the time. He shocks us. He surprises us. We think, God, you're awesome. You're going to do all this. And God does even greater than all of that. Praise God. We got to be ready for those people that are going to come here and repent and seek God. But they'll never come if we don't go. We need to have a passion in our heart. I thank God for, for the ministry of our pastor. You know, these, these uh, the books, they're not in vain. We're studying, we're reading them. And then we're coming to Thursdays. And what we're studying right now is going to edify our lives. We have to be a different people, more of God's people. Not that we're not God's people. Well, we're in a process of growth, maturity, development. It's a process that God is putting us through and passing us through. Just imagine this. Those that were lost and now are found. Those that come to a place in their lives, and if you'll stand with me as I get ready to give this place over to our pastor. People that acknowledge, I need Jesus. The parable of the prodigal son, the parable of the lost piece of silver, the parable of the lost sheep, is not about the sheep, it's not about the silver, it's not about the son. It's about salvation. It's about repentance. It's about love and about mercy. See, Jesus Christ sat down and ate with, hung around. I want to say like that. I know it's with all respect to God. Jesus talking to the sinners over there. Man, if Jesus only knew the type of woman that is right now washing his feet with tears, man, he would dismiss her because he would know that she's an immoral woman. Man, if only Jesus, it's because Jesus knew. Man, if only Jesus knew that's a man stealer over there. 
going over there to Jacob's well to go gather some water. She's here because the other girls can't stand her. The other wives don't like her. She's going to come at a different time. Why was Jesus sitting there? How many people does it take to go get something to eat? Just but a couple. But he sent all of them away. Just so that he could be there. To have an appointment with a woman that needed a savior. And she knows it. She knows she's a sinner. Well, bring me your husband. I don't I ain't got a man. <laughs> well, that's true. You've been married so many times, the one you're living with right now is not even your husband. Are you a prophet? Did you know that it's one of the very few times that Christ reveals to somebody that he is the Christ? The Christ speaking to you right now changes our life forever because God loves the sinner that repents. He does not accept the sin, does not condone it, but he loves the sinner. He wants the sinner to repent and to be saved. And I want to be a vessel. I want to be an instrument for others to be saved. Don't you? I want God to put that passion. We have to have a passion. If we don't have a passion, something's not right. It is okay, though, because as long as we acknowledge it, God, I need that passion. All we have to do is pray, believe it, and receive it. Put a passion in me, Jesus. Put a passion in me. Let me feel the urgency. Let me care, God. Make me care. I'm tired of the heart and I walk by and see somebody in need. It's like, that's their problem. No, not no more. Child of God needs to love. And we just ask God, if we do, he will, he will answer our prayer. And remember not this parable of, like I said, the lost son, the lost sheep, the lost silver, but of a God of love, mercy, willing to save the repented sinner. God bless you. Our pastor with us. What, what an awesome message of salvation. As I said in the Spanish service, you know, God speaks to you, to me in a different way. When co-pastor was preaching, but I noticed what made the whole difference was this. The difference was the attitude. The attitude of the older brother and then the attitude of the father. The attitude of the big brother got mad, but the attitude of the father was to embrace we are here with the attitude of the father who's lost who needs salvation who are we coming across to, to embrace thank God that the father did not see the mistakes of the son but he saw the need of the son. What an awesome message. Thank you, co-pastor. Now I say, God, baptize me with that attitude. I, I need that attitude. I need that attitude, God. Who am I embracing? Right now someone was working in my house and I'm going to go pay him off. And I already invited him to the Friendship Day next Saturday. So before I give him that check, I'm going to throw the hook one more time and I hope I hook him good. He's coming in, co-pastor. That one, that's all we need, that one, that one. If every one of us just gets that one, Jesus' eyes are seen through you. Jesus' hands are touching through you. 
Let's ask God, God, let this message become real in my life. You know what we need, God. Why don't we come to this altar? Say, God, oh, I need you, Jesus, like I've never needed someone before. I need you. I've got to have you. Someone is needing you, Jesus. Someone is needing you, God. San Fernando Valley is dying without God. San Fernando Valley is dying without God. And they're needing a voice. They're needing a touch. They need your help. They need my help. Heavenly Father, we are right here. We've heard your voice. We've heard your word, God. You have spoken to us. We have heard from you. Now I want to put it in action. Let me feel what you feel. Let me see what you see. Let me touch how you would touch. Ah, let me see beyond the fault. And let me see the need, God. Someone's crying out for help. Someone is crying out for help, Lord. I need you, Lord. Someone is crying out for help. And here I am, Jesus, here I am. Every hour, I need you. Oh, I need you, God. Bless so I could become more like now, you. my Savior.